Welcome to the New Masculine Podcast. This is a place where masculine identifying people come together in community to disrupt outdated models of masculinity and together construct new models for our way forward as men. As a special note, while this conversation is between men, this podcast values all beings and seeks to create positive impacts for all. I'm your host, Travis Stock. I am a master life coach, an equus coach, which means I often partner with horses when supporting clients, and I'm a teacher. In my coaching work, I am passionate about the balance of masculine and feminine energies in each of us, regardless of gender. I seek to help others nurture a relationship with both types of energy, which often leads to a greater sense of wholeness. And yet what I found in my work with men is that many of us have been taught messages about what it means to be a man by first teaching us to avoid anything that is associated with the feminine. That avoidance leads to few experiences of intimacy, emotions outside of anger, vulnerability, or even a sense of belonging. Striving to comply with these models of masculinity has many of us feeling isolated, ashamed, unworthy, afraid, angry, and depressed. That's why I started this podcast, to bring men together who are ready for something new, something more whole. It can be difficult for many of us to open up and share vulnerably with others in our lives. As men, we aren't socialized to be aware of our own emotional lives, let alone practiced at communicating about them with others. So if you're a man who yearns for more intimacy and vulnerability in your life, how do you go about developing those skills? Well, my next guest, Weston Carnes, might have just the thing to help you do so. You see, his own journey through social anxiety in his younger years helped him recognize the importance of emotionally engaged, depth-based conversations without many models for how to do so. So, Weston developed an inquiry-based card game called Let's Get Real Bro to support men's mental health strengthen our relationships, and have a bit of fun along the way. He identifies as a son, as a person, and as a husband. So let's get him in here, learn about his own path with masculinity, and maybe even create space for us to get real by playing a little of the game. Ooh, I can feel the excitement and nervousness about getting vulnerable today. Welcome to the new masculine, (laughs) Weston. Thank you, Travis. It's, uh, It's an honor to be here. Do you feel some of that excitement energy too? Yes. I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for joining me and thanks for thanks for creating a space. Well, we're both creating spaces in our different ways, me holding this conversation, but you creating a game that allows us to kind of dive in with each other a little more. Totally. Yeah, this uh I'm excited to be here. I mean, this is very much at the at the core of you know, I love I love conversation. Um I'm excited to kind of explore and, and see what comes up here. I I really I, I don't really know, and I think that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's, even that is groundbreaking in itself. So many times we as men believe that we need to know the answer to everything, and yet this is the opportunity to not know and to see where our collaboration and uh, where it goes together. We get to co-create totally. this. Yeah, totally. So what and else? We're also, you... and we're also both in Seattle right now, which I, is that's so wild. You reached out to me like, over Instagram, and how do we get this? Up you on Capitol Hill. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, yeah. It's so wild that we live so close. Uh, yeah, uh, I love it. Well, eventually we'll be able to do this in person at some point. Totally. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was like, for its worth to the audience, I was like, Travis, like, let's do this in person. Like, no, we got technical. Come on, Travis, let's do this in person. <laughs> yeah, it's my Torian um, sort of creature of habit, set my ways kind of thing. I can get a little stubborn around things. I'm like, this is it. how I do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, what else do you think is important for people to know about you before we jump into the meat of this conversation? 
It's mm. funny. I I was <laughs> can't remember the the language uh, she used, but I was speaking to my wife, and uh, she was trying to like put some descriptor on me, you know. And I always kind of like try to move away from those things because I. And then the, the descriptor was like that specific thing, which is like a person who kind of doesn't want to be described or like not put into a box. And I was like, dang it. Like, okay, like you can use that descriptor. <laughs> and so, so, so I guess to come back to your question, um, I mean, nothing in particular. I think like, I, I trust that, that in this conversation, things will kind of like arise that, that are relevant, but um, yeah, I'm uh I'm 34 years of age. I live in Seattle. Um, recently got married. Recently got a puppy. Congrats. Um, quit my job in July. Started working on this this game. And uh, yeah, just I've never felt more kind of uh, aligned to the, to the work that I'm doing. So that, that feels really exciting. Oh, that's going to be exciting for us to dig into a little bit, a little later in our conversation, that journey you've been on with quitting your job and aligning yourself with a more purpose-driven sense of work. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, it definitely has been a journey, you know. Um, I've kind of just constantly been on that search, Mm -hmm. you know, for for as long as I can remember, you know. Yeah, I I hear that. I I feel that in myself as well. Yeah. So... Let's open up our conversation by really first checking in on you and your development as a man in this world. What are some of the stories that come to mind for you when you think about growing up as a boy and learning how to be a man in the world? Yeah, it's interesting. Like I I did a bit of reflecting on this really for this conversation and it's um it's not immediate like what comes to mind, right? Like my relationship to manhood and being a man, you know, like I wouldn't say I even started looking at that identity that clearly until my mid twenties. Right. You know, um, it was just kind of like the, the water that you swim in maybe, so to speak. Um, I mean, there's plenty of like, um, I think what to do and what not to do, you know, like that, that kind of moment, but th- there aren't like clear, vivid memories that come to mind as a boy. Part of that is I don't have actually that strong of a memory from childhood, you know, like um, my, I grew up in Minnesota, moved to Washington state when I was 13. Um, a lot of like trying to fit in, right. Like that, that, that was a big part of um, I feel like my childhood uh, hanging out with my sisters and tr- and trying to kind of like do whatever they were doing. I two two I have two older sisters. Uh, we're all one year apart. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't say it was until like that I got more specifically into men's work that I really um, just started like looking more at the nuance of of like what how that shaped me. You know, um, my father. My father uh, actually passed um, a year ago. Uh, there was a, on January 22nd was his one year passing. Um, and my father was, uh, you know, I wouldn't say he was in many ways like a man's man kind of guy, right? Like he, he was a much more, uh, my, my father was a gentle kind of giant, right? He was um, 
really, really inquisitive, really curious, um, very sensitive, right? Like incredibly sensitive man. Um, and that, that, that's very much been passed on, right? Like, um, I carry all of those traits and I think he is a big part of that. Um, but yeah, in many ways, like one might say he carried more like, more like, like feminine kind of like traits than like masculine. Um, whereas my mother was a much more kind of like assertive, like force within Mm. the household, you know, which is, I wouldn't say it's common, but it, it, I, I've come across that kind of like, cont- like within our culture, you know, that generation having that kind of swap. I don't know if that came out of like the feminist movement in the seventies, but uh, you know, men kind of maybe need to take a step back. Um, but yeah, I don't really know like the, the underpinnings of that dynamic. Yeah. It's interesting that you had the experience of having parent- parents that were kind of flipped in their uh not sort of their gender expression and gender identity, but sort of the the masculine and feminine energies that we've traditionally equated with the mother versus what we've equated with the father. I think I would sort of, there were places where I can see that in my family too, where my mom held a lot more of the decision-making or felt like the one that was kind of keeping us forward move, moving in some ways. Yeah. Um, and my dad has plenty of masculine energy, but there was definitely this sort of like, I noticed that a little bit more in my mom. She's a bit more assertive and more clear on what the decisions that were going to happen for uh, our family. And I think there's something true to that, that there are pockets within that generation because we're about similar ages or I'm a few years older than you, but pockets in that generation where there was sort of that flip in the power dynamic or in, in uh, not power. Well, it's power, but it is sort of like, some of the uh, energetics that play out in the relationship. I wonder, you kind of pointed to like the feminist movement could be a big part of it. Um, but there are so social constructs that are playing out at different times that shape the way our families are formed. And so yeah, I really hear that. Definitely. And so you talk about your dad being the kind of man that he was that represented a softer, more uh, in touch with his own feminine energy, connected, sensitive, that kind of stuff. What other male figures did you have in your life that that you kind of looked up to or modeled yourself after? Yeah, totally. Um, I would say there were few and far between, right? There was um, there was like a soccer coach, for example, that I I remember like thinking of in a more I don't know in a different light, right? In a light of like I like. Eh, it's hard to even really know at that time. I mean, it's really like there was an interest and a curiosity towards these certain people. There was a, a couple of teachers. Um, I mean, which really stood out within my school experience. Like I really probably couldn't recall too many teachers to you, but it's interesting that the ones I do recall the most were men. Um, and I'd say there were fewer men than w- female teachers. So there, there was something there that I think even just points to the fact that I remember their quality or their personality much more that to me hints at like there was something there that i was looking for perhaps right like whether that be like a a stronger um i I mean maybe not even a stronger but like um i think we all need models outside of our parents right like uh, the father can only go so far to to shape 
um, a child. And uh, Mr. Moore was one, Mr. Newman was another. Uh, and they both just carried themselves really well. You could tell that they were like authentically them. Right? And this also was in a, in a period of kind of more social isolation, more uh, just kind of a shyness, like a general shyness. And so I think seeing that in other people, seeing healthy expressions of self, especially as a, another guy, um, was really like powerful, you know? Um, I don't know if I knew that at that time, you know, like, I think, I think it's like all of these things, right. It's like reflecting back on, on your experience then. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say there was like uh, a mentor or a neighbor or, you know, I would have loved that. I think, you know, mm. um, cause I think in many ways, even my father, my father was very present at times, but he also was like very busy, right? Like he was immersed in his work. He was traveling all of the time, right? He was, he was out of the house, uh, probably a week out of the, every month to travel. He was working at 3M in Minnesota and doing international work, um, or work abroad, um, in like Pacific, uh, Southeast Asia, and so my mom, um, yeah, I mean, she, she had three kids, right? Like one year apart, just like very little infrastructure, very little community. Um, I mean, sounds hellish to me, <laughs> like, like, honestly, <laughs> like, um, shout out know. to the parents out there. <laughs> I, I keep saying to everybody, I know that's a parent, like I have so much mad respect for parents, especially the last couple of years as we've navigated this sort of global pandemic that the response, like I've had to just navigate my own self and maybe my partner. I don't necessarily have to be in charge of someone else, like a, a whole human being's development in the process too. So shout out to all the parents out there. Totally. Yeah. Thank you, mom. Thank you, dad, for getting me here. Um, I'm getting more perspective into that world through my oldest sister. I'm now an uncle. Uh, my oldest sister has a child of 13 months and it's a lot. Um, and I'm just like, wow, like even just as I look forward into like a future of having a kid and family and knowing my own kind of needs my own needs and and also like my own hang-ups right a lot of that is around space and ensuring that i'm getting enough space for myself to not feel overwhelmed and to not kind of uh kind of feel trapped in that right because usually I'll, I'll close down and and that also was very much a, a trait of my father you know easily overwhelmed, deeply sensitive to his environment, needed a lot of just like, like, uh, you know, just like time to like, just like sit, you know, like I'm kind of like, I don't Pretty know, strong like, introvert energy, huh? Uh, yeah. At times. Totally. Yeah. And, and my mother was, was a pretty strong extrovert energy. So mm. all three of us kids have both of these sides, right? Like I think as I age, I need more time alone, but also like, um, you know, conversations and depthful conversations always bring me to life. Right. And that's, yeah. that's very much a reason as to why I created this, um, this game. Mm. 
I'm so with you on that element of I notice that about myself as I age as I need a lot more space alone and a lot more quiet time with myself. You and yeah. I were before we started this conversation recording, we were trading stories about our pets that we have. And I, and I was sharing with you that I've not classically been a cat person, but as owning a cat now, it's been crazy. I'm like, wow, I'm becoming a cat. I just need I want attention when yeah. I want it. And I also want to be left alone when I want to be left alone. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, very much. And, and, you know, I, I, I was single most of my life, you know, I, I, I dated nonstop for a good 10 years, but never really, like, rarely was in relationship, right? Like a, a sustained relationship. And now, for the first time in my life, I'm living with my, my partner. Um, I mean, I, we've been living together since I moved back right before COVID, but this is the first time I've done this. And, um, you know, that, that like affects social needs. And I think I'm still trying to like, that is a part of my identity that I'm trying to resolve to a certain extent is, um, how do I sustain relationships and, and care and nurture for them when I feel increasingly overwhelmed and, um, that need maybe not increase that overwhelm but increasingly that need for like more space um because something has to right you have to choose um i so appreciate you sharing this piece that you're continuing to work on because i can imagine other men feel that way too like I haven't been taught how to navigate relationships. I haven't been, I don't know all of my ways that are about how do I fill up relationships and tend to them and work on them and show up for them outside of my like provider identity maybe. And so there's a lot of men that are navigating the stress of the world that are trying to understand what their values are in the world and, and then coming in, running into those spaces where the relationship might need something while also you as an individual might need something. And how do you find where those can coexist? How do you have boundaries that still protect your own space? I think you're, you're pointing to something that is really, I can imagine a lot of men feel mm. and, mm -hmm. and aren't, aren't quite able to express. And so I, I think people might be able to see themselves in your story. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, I think it's a it's it's a space and a question that I'm I'm becoming increasingly interested in, um, like men and their relationships and their friendships and um, yeah, I, I I think coming back to this like you know looking for models of of people who are living the type of life that you want to live, I think. Um, relationships are such a key part of my, uh, like, like I remember vividly understanding that like when I'm on my deathbed, the only thing that really will matter to me is my relationships, like, and, and knowing that, right. And with that comes a really big weight, right? Like it comes a, like this, this is significant, right? These things matter. Like, how do I how do I tend to them and give them the life that they desire, that they deserve? Um, and I also don't, I don't see like it. I don't see that same. I don't see that same thing in many men, right? Like I don't see that same attentiveness to relationships and to friendships. And 
that's something I'm really trying to like understand. Um, like, is this just me? Like, am I just this thing over here? Like, um, I'm curious, like, I'm very curious as to like how, um, how gender influences that, like, what do we need? Um, cause I see that in my partner and, and in many women in my life that there is much more care that's brought to their relationships, right? There's much more checking in, there's much more attentiveness. There's, um, and, and I'm like, wow, like, that's really cool. Like that's, it feels closer to the thing that I feel in some ways. And so I'm also looking for, for men that share that. And because I want to be around that, right. Like, because being around that, uh, helps me become more clear, you know, in terms of like staying on top of that and staying Mm -hmm. focused to a certain extent and caring about that because I also see the pull of like, uh, in many ways, like my father, right? Like my father, I mean, he had friends, but I wouldn't say he, he like cultivated relationships. Like I would say he cultivated friendships. I was not my father. Right. Right. Um, like he met, he met people in his bike club that he'd go biking with. Um, and then also like try not to like judge that and critique that, you know, it's like, it's mm-hmm. a very, it, it's, it's super nuanced. Right. Because I'm also, uh, I'm also trying to come to terms with um, the realization that everyone has different needs. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, and it's easy for me to kind of like hold men accountable to that. Right. Like where, where are you? Like why, you know, like, why aren't we checking in more? Why aren't like, like this thing is slipping, right? Like this thing is, is fading. Do you see that? Do you feel that, you know, like, um, and I think like, as we move towards like more, more, more of a transient kind of like, you know, we don't have the same force of like in person, I mean, especially with COVID. And so it's like that much harder, right? Cause I feel like, that's how I see men connect often, right? It's in person. It's, Mm -hmm. it's like, it's the weekly thing. It's like, it's the game. It's, it's playing wiffle ball or it's, you know, like, and so I'm, I'm also trying to like understand that better. Um, Yeah. I think you're pointing something that's really important in our current lifetime, which is there are less and less spaces where we are together because of COVID it has been. And so, and then now there's this whole shift in the work environment that is around many places are going permanently work from home or predominantly work from home. And so we have these less and less spaces where we are engaging with each other and that, and it requires re, for our relationships to succeed. It requires much more intentionality behind them, yeah, planning totally. things, putting things together. And I think you were also pointing to this because uh, I also am, don't see a lot of other men that tend to relationships in the way that I do. I don't have as much attentiveness to them. I'm a relations-based person. And so I view the success of, I, I really can track my own emotional well-being based on the quality of my relationships. Yeah. And I think 
based on the conversations I've been having for this podcast and working with my male clients, most of us, well, not most of us, many of us are craving those kind of deeper relationships where there is attentiveness, where we do show up for each other, where we are, where there is a bit more nurturing of the relationship, but we don't have models for how to do that. We have those um, activity-based shared interest things that we do like a sports game or some sort of like activity, but we don't have those elements that actually help us go a little deeper and to really know more about the human that's there. And you were, you're sort of reflecting on what causes that, that to the fact that you see girls or women doing that more often than you see men. And I, I always think back to like, what are the games and the things that we were doing as kids? Um, and what were the girls doing versus what were the boys doing? So much of the ways that girls play and engage with each other is nurturing is, um, conversation. It's conversational. It's playing house. It's how to, it's all about, even toys are developed to help teach girls how to nurture like a baby uh, doll versus a boy's yeah. not going to have a baby doll. And yeah. so there are so many so- places where we socialize girls to be good at that and, re- and say boys don't do that. And so it's, we kind of limit boys ability to develop that skill set early on. And then we're all craving it because we're human. We're all relational and, and we're meant to be with people. Yeah. And yet we don't have the skill set. We haven't developed it over time. And so I think you're pointing out something that's really important is this is this curiosity without condemning or without necessarily saying this is critiquing men because it's in some ways not our fault that we were socialized this way. But then now that we've questioned and gone like, well, why doesn't this exist? How do we start to develop those skill sets? Yeah, yeah, totally. You talked about earlier about getting to explore a different side of yourself now as an uncle um, and getting to witness your sister having a kid and recognizing that you are a male figure in this child's life. Yeah. What what does being an uncle mean to you? Or what, are, what are the sort of values you bring as a as a male figure in this child's life? Yes. Yeah. Like I, I, I rarely, you know, I, I rarely think of like, maybe that will evolve over time. I rarely think of like, as a man, what, what am I bringing to this individual? You know, um, th- there's a future part of me that sees like moving towards working with youth and like younger men, whether that be, you know, it could be being a soccer coach for all I know, right. Like kind of seeing what were what, where I found those models, um, and thinking more specifically in that frame, but, um, I guess to answer your question, I mean, for me, it comes back to like the same thing we were speaking to about kind of trusting in that this, like this conversation will go where it needs to go. Right. Like there is a certain amount of, uh, of work that I've done on myself, right. This cal- like, I think of it, I'll use the compass metaphor, right. A calibration that I've done that allows me to, to ask myself continually how do i want to show up in this thing and for me as long as i'm asking that question and moving towards that direction then i trust that it it will it will take shape in the way that it needs to right and so for me when i ask that question of how do i want to show up in this child's life you know it's 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 two things it's actually being there right it's presence Mm -hmm. And it's 
it's authenticity, right? Sure. And that, that's, it's being myself and being there. And that's it. Sounded like to me, there's also this important element of like staying conscious in the relationship, not going into that place of just being on autopilot, but con consistently asking yourself that question, how do I want to show up in this? Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's easy, right? It's super easy to fall out, to fall out of it. Right. Um, like I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's like, and you know, there might be times in my life and I'm sure there's been times in other lives where it's like a year or two goes by and then you see this new life, right? Like kids grow fast. And if you're not there, you're going to like, you're going to miss it. And, you know, thankfully I'm back in Seattle where she lives out on Lopez Island. Uh, Erica is her name. Um, you know, it's not too far away. Uh, and, and she, she values that. I think, um, you know, that relationship has evolved a lot over time, but I do know how important it is for, for her to have us as siblings in the life of this, this, this child, this kid. Um, and, and that is, that's a part of it too, right? Like, um, yeah, I mean, even in, in, even in your recognition of, your sisters want a need to have her siblings there to be in the child's life. It's sort of like that. Those are, it's just a, such an interesting and important thing. I want to highlight that that is part of being attentive to relationships, even being aware that our, our loved ones have wants and needs yeah. that, that ask some level of responsibility for us. And we're not obligated to say yes to them, but we do get to reflect on whether or not that responsibility fits in our lives and how, how do we want to hold that responsibility? So much of men's worth, men's work that I'm, that I kind of sometimes struggle with is there's a lot around personal freedom that's involved in, in men's work without this without the sort of follow-up question about collective responsibility or relational yeah. responsibility to each other. Yeah. And so we're not really reflecting on our impact on our relationships. And that's the kind of thing that I want to keep encouraging men to do. And I think is what you're talking about of being attentive to relationships is even being aware of the needs of those around us, those that we yeah. care about and figuring out how do we show up within those needs. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, totally. And I think like, um, it, yeah, in many ways, it feels like there is a gravitational pull towards what is directly in front of me. And, um, and I, I need to like, I need to make space to just broaden that, right? Like, that's very clear. Like, and that's that that can be nature could be going to like some hike and scene of you, right? Like perspective, like to look down on your life and say, where am I? Who is around me? What matters? What am I moving towards? These are these are these are questions and kind of wayfinding that um, that's just been a big part of of my own you know my own evolution. I really love that because it teaches it it encapsulates something that I've learned in my work with horses um, because. The things in nature that make really direct eye contact that are really focused in on something are predators. They're the things that are on the hunt. They're going for something. And that's a valuable skill set to have. I think sometimes we as men can get locked into those like tunnel vision, hyper-focused on our goals, going after something. 
And yeah. we forget about the peripheral vision. We forget yeah. to soften our gaze and recognize what else is in the space to pull in all the information that our periphery has, not just our direct ahead vision. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of what I was speaking to before we started this was just like, I was you're like, how's your morning? I'm like, I'm actually doing really good. Like about an hour and a half ago, I snapped out of just like some crazy, like three day bender of just trying to complete shit you know, like trying to get stuff done. And I need that, like, I need to, I need to take today off, you know, like mm -hmm. I need to just like, I'm not going to focus on anything in particular and I'm just going to move. Yeah. I appreciate that. And I appreciate you spending time today in our space together. Cause I, I have also heard you say that these sort of like emotions based depth based conversations do feed you they feed the human they don't just they're not just another piece of work they're a piece of yeah. your humanness yeah definitely yeah. yeah you mentioned earlier that you got at some point in your life got into men's work can you share a little bit about your journey with men's work yeah yeah definitely yeah i've been meaning to write this this post i i or some type of blog or whatever i, I don't know what you call it um but i i I started it and there were parts of it that I think I'll point to because I feel like they were moments in time of, of leading up to where I'm at now with men's work. But uh, one of them was actually Erica, the, the, the oldest sister who has the child, Adam Lopez. Uh, I remember we lived together here in Seattle. This was like around 2014. And um, I remember her being like, I'm going to this women's group. And I was like, wait, what, what, what is this? You know, like, what's, what, what is a woman's group? You know, she's like, oh, it's, you know, it's me and, you know, a couple of women get together and we talk about life. We check in and we like, you know, we, we talk. And I'm like, can I come? Like, that sounds great. You know, like, <laughs> like, you know, she got spoke to like, it, it gets, it gets deep. And I'm like, oh, that sounds like, can I join? She's like, hell no, dude. Like, you're not a woman. Like, so I, I remember that point in time and just being like, oh, dang, I don't think I actually then went on the internet and was like, where can I find a men's group? You know, like mm -hmm. I didn't have that, but um, that there was a seed planted there. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like a certain point in time that maybe there wasn't like, I don't recall exactly the first, the first like men's group I went to. It may have been, oh, you know what, actually, so I was in this meditation group. Uh, in Oakland, Shambhala meditation, and there was this guy Marty, and he was like this older. He's in it like a veteran uh, Vietnam vet, uh, probably seventy five years old, mid seventies. And he told me about as I got to know him better, he was kind of reserved and shy. But he told me about his men's group, and I think this was the East, o East Oakland men's group or something like that. And uh, it's just like a large organization. I mean, relatively big. It's probably 100, 150 men with inside of this, kind of all older. Uh, I wouldn't say there was a lot of youth in it. But I went to that and just got kind of a taste of what was going on. You know, like I, I went into it a bit blind. I didn't know what I was getting into. Um, and I think it, it, it wasn't the right fit for me, but it showed me that like this intuition, this curiosity, uh, something that was pointing me towards men's groups and men's work was right. So I kept looking, right. Um, I remember like listening to, uh, oh man, I remember listening to like YouTube. Uh, there's this really great YouTube channel called like Minnesota men's 
can't remember, but they post these conversations, these talks. You know, this was like the um, Terrence Real, mm-hmm. uh, is a therapist, does a lot of men's yeah. work, um, like Robert Bly, mm-hmm. you know, like the kind of like the... The, the godfathers m- of men's work. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, right? There were these yeah. conversations, Robert Moore, some of these people, um, I, I'm not great with names, but I remember just like really soaking those up and was just like super interested in what was going on. Um, you know, I was also in my time of like getting more familiar with like, even like Carl Jung, I was getting into like, um, uh, I almost be- became a therapist at that time. Actually, I was, um, getting into like gestalt therapy, uh, understanding that better, like Fritz Perls and some of these ideas of, of gestalt. And, um, but that led me to, to finding a, a smaller group that there were two others that we decided we'd start something. This was, um, with two men that were also in another meditation community. And at that point we had gotten to a place where we were running in Oakland, we were running men's groups probably every other week. It was the same six or seven people I invited a friend or two in, um, there, there was this other moment as well that I, I'm just going to speak to because I remember it being kind of formative in it, it's very clear to me that now after seeing it, uh, what this, what this kind of moment was for me. And I, I was in downtown Oakland and waiting for a friend to meet up for a drink. And there were these two guys, uh, I think they were like Indian, these two Indian men, probably my age. And they pretty much had just convened. They just run into each other there. I think they were meeting there and they started hugging each other. And I was like, uh, I just, I just remember noticing it and seeing their hug. And I was like, Oh, I went down to my phone, like shot a couple of texts away. like looked back up like 30 or 40 seconds later. And I was like, I looked at another, like, Oh, they're still hugging. Like interesting. And there was something in this that I like, I could not look away. Right. It was just two men that were hugging and they were not doing a single thing else. It was just, there was not talking, nothing. It was just a hug a and full I like embrace. a full embrace. Yeah. And I just found myself just like moving closer and closer to this. And it, it, it was probably like a 10 minute hug, you know, like, and I was just like, I was just in awe and I, I just, I couldn't help, but just be like, yeah, I, there was something in it that was just like, so beautiful. And <laughs> <laughs> and I, I remember being like, I've never had this. Like I've never had, I've never, like I've never had this. And I, and I want this, like, I, I want this. Um, but even in that time, like, I don't know if I knew now what I do, you know, I don't know if I knew, knew what was really going on. And um, to kind of fast forward after getting more kind of into these men's groups and really seeing a lot of value in them, I had done also a men's retreat in, in California. That was like a three-day retreat, really was beautiful, uh, led by these two twin brothers, Doran Ophir. And um, I just kept seeing signals that was like, there's something, like, just keep doing this, keep doing this. Uh, I did an all-night retreat and met uh, a good friend of mine now, Ben, Ben Campbell. And I remember, this was February, probably after a year after COVID or so and feeling like pretty, like pretty, pretty dead inside. Honestly, like I, I I was not getting what I needed. Work was 
I was working remote and just like not enjoying work at all. And I remember calling Ben and we, we, it was very clear in the conversation that we both had a desire to, to like, to bring this to our communities, right. To bring these, like this, this men's men's groups experience to others, because it was still such a niche thing, right. Like so few people have even participated in it. And I was really curious in that question of how do you make this more accessible, right? And this is in many ways is what led to this game here. But I am a designer by trade, right? I, I, I'm very familiar with brand communication design, product design. I've been teaching myself design for the last seven years up until that point. And I just felt like there was something missing in the, in the world of men's work that just wasn't really it wasn't using the language that I felt like was possible to connect to a larger group of men. Um, like it was either just kind of too woo woo. -woo uh, I'll use that language. Uh, I don't really have better words for it too ethereal or something like that. Um, or just like the designs were like out of the, you know, like the eighties or like mm -hmm. the nineties, right. You go like nine time <laughs> project or something. And it's just like, all right, like we really need to update here. Yeah. Um, so anyway, bet, I initiated the I initiated the idea. I was like, Ben, like, do you want to do this? Like, do you want to just start a, a men's group? And we kind of evolved the idea. And we both were really passionate about just giving people kind of a taste of that world. So we structured it in a way that it was a month-long format. It was once a week for a month. So you get four sessions. They were two hours long. And we created that con we created the content and the structure. And really coming back to like, what do we want to create in this experience? Like, what have we seen really work? Um, how do we want people leaving? So I'm essentially taking all of my design skills in terms of how do you create an experience and layering that into men's work uh, and, you know, facilitation, uh, information design, these kind of things. Uh, and yeah, so we ran those. Um, we ended up bringing on another facilitator. I think we've, we've run three so far. Um, but anyway, continuing to, to come back to that question of like, is this accessible? Uh, how do you make this more accessible? Um, I, I still felt like even, even what we were creating, while it was doing a lot of what I hoped it to do, like the men that were joining, like the experience that was being had was really, it felt impactful. Um, it's still also just, I think the more I sat with that question of, is this, is this going to, is this going to touch, you know, like, is this going to touch someone that's like two, two steps removed from this, you know, like kind of thinking it from like a, it, I don't know, like a node based graph, like that there's, there's people that kind of live close to that world of like, okay, I'll sign myself up for something like this. But in most cases, it's like, I need a friend who's inviting me. I need a friend of a friend who's done this, right? Like to, to, to sign yourself up for something and, and take that step. I feel like I can experience, like I can get in that, in those shoes and also see how difficult that is, right. Totally. To, sign, to, to get on even a zoom call, right. In a group environment, uh, I just feel like I, maybe it's my own bias towards social interaction, but I just, I just felt like there's just too much friction. 
Um, There's huge barriers to entry for yeah. men, for many men around getting into these kinds of communities, the kinds of conversations that happen, the languaging that's used. Totally. Yeah. There's a ton totally. of friction there for us. And so those yeah. of us that are focused on what, how do we remove those barriers or how do we make less friction? I love, I love that you have that eye that's not only interested in the, in the work that you've created and the, what the, the people that come to you already, the buy-in's already there, but then what's just outside that circle. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's where like, um, I mean, that's why I'm most excited about this game is I, I do think it has an opportunity to touch new, um, to, to start conversations in new spheres and new circles that would not have gone there. Um, I mean, so I've let's, seen, let's dive into this game. Let's, yeah. let's talk about what this game is. Tell me more about it. Tell like sort of give the listener an idea of what they might expect if they were to grab a deck of this game. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's um, this is good too. Cause I've been, I mean, I'm always continuing to refine how I communicate this game, but I like this one. Um, a connection-based card game that soaks meaningful connection by getting real connect over your hopes, dreams, and also your shit. So, um, and I use the poop emoji. So that's, 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 you're reaching a whole nother generation with your men's work through this card game by using emojis. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's different kinds of kinds of language that I'm using. Um, you know, it's like on the box here, I can show you, it's like, let's get real bro. Cardium for guys to connect, dig deep and get real. Um, We'll but definitely really, make think, sure that there's some some imagery of this on my Instagram so people cool. can check out what that is because they won't be able to see this, obviously. But yeah, like I, I will definitely make sure it's on the Instagram, too. <laughs> awesome. Um, there's also on the on the website, a game for guys. To, so I feel like as a designer, I'm like, there's there's too many types. Like I'm still refining, like, what is the like the one key thing of how it's communicated? But I think um that will just have to continue to evolve there's another one on the website that says a game for guys to explore all the shit we don't want to and then in parentheses below it it says real talk feelings emotions and masculinity and then to get to the shit we do and then in parentheses below it's connection support mental and emotional health um so that that also i think speaks speaks a lot to the hope and intention of the game what's inside of it is um 108 cards uh four well now six six dry erase markers and dry erase boards to write on Mm. and the cards that live inside of it are three levels of questions from varying depths you have uh kind of real pretty real and super fucking real and each of those cards is a prompt that is meant to instigate and uh create depthful inquiry and depthful conversation um and not not all of them are designed to create depth i would say deep but they're all designed to to like to create some some conversation that that builds uh builds connection yeah and how how did you come up with the questions for this card for this card deck yeah totally um i mean i i feel like as a designer right there's a there's like a there's a bit of a formula involved right into Mm. how do you come up with solutions right and uh, understanding the world that already exists is usually a good place to start right like what are what already exists out there that's in this space thankfully there's quite a few conversational card games out there um the reality is they're all not they're definitely not the type of language that i would use when it comes to um 
if we're talking about accessibility and language that I feel like is relatable, uh, you'd probably have to cut half of them out. Uh, They're also not games. So that's another piece is I, I, I'd played those games before. I mean, I wouldn't even like call them games. I've used those tools, those conversation starters as tools before, but I often found that there was never any structure, right? There's no, there's nothing in place that says this is the start and this is the end. Um, and I found that to be slightly problematic a little bit, you know, especially it's like, I think there's part of a game is there's a start and there's an end, you know, what the, like they're, they're, you're moving towards something, right? Um, there may be a winner, there may not be, like it could be cooperative, it could be competitive. And so the questions themselves, I would say, I knew questions were going to be a part of this game, right? So uh, that was a design constraint. Like I knew that it would not, it could not create what I wanted to without questions. Um, so really I came to what do I want the, what I want the players to feel, who do I want to engage in this? Um, how do I want people to leave? Like what is the actual game going to make people feel right? And I think that's like, feelings and emotions is uh, i think that's a big part of how i think about design um right there's functional design there's like i i'm doing this thing to complete a task but if you're going to play a game there's a very specific intent for uh you know it might be it might be the feeling of problem solving right it might be the feeling of completing uh solving some hard problem or thinking like poker for example i I actually played poker for um, seven years of my life professionally. And, um, you know, that is a game that's very psychological. Right. Um, and so there's the, there's the feeling of winning a big pot, right. That, that, it, that hooks you kind of brings you back into it or winning, winning a big hand. Uh, there's the feeling of getting dealt like uh, pocket aces or whatever. So it's all these feelings that um, bring people into the game. Right. And, uh, you know, money is a part of that, but it, it often always does come back to that feeling. Um, and the feelings I wanted people to, to experience with inside of this game were, I mean, ultimately, like I wanted intimacy, right? And, uh, connection. I mean, this language, um, uh, yeah, intimacy maybe is not quite like what, what is used, but I wanted there to be exploration. I wanted there to be introspection. I wanted there to be laughter, right? I wanted there to be um, to be realness, right? I wanted there to be honesty. I wanted there to be uh, emotionally engaged conversations, right? So these are the things that I've explored in my life um, and found a lot of value in, right? Not only through my own kind of inqu- inquiring within myself, but also sharing with others, right? So, um I think there's a lot of stuff out there that allows people to to inquire um, and look inward if they so choose. But I think part of the experience that I really wanted to cultivate was that to be shared with others, right? Like um, men's groups, uh, part of the the value of men's groups, and I think of a lot of kind of a group getting together and sharing what they're feeling is is we see ourselves in others, right? We we see that we're not alone. Um, we see that the pain and, and suffering and hangups and 
all of these things that we carry and we have to navigate is not it does not have to be navigated independently right and so you know talking about as it means to be a man um that's just not like <laughs> there's there's so many i'd say there's so many like kind of I, I don't know. I mean, I do find it ironic that I'm creating this game for guys because in many ways it runs counter to mm -hmm. much of what manhood is, <laughs> right? Like, it's countercultural for us, for sure. Yeah. I yeah, think that's what I, I love about it the most is, is that you are having these sort of like a, a, a feeling states and these values that are underpinning around emotional based, emotion based conversations around intimacy, around introspection that are not really taught to us as men but you're putting this gamified element that we as men often have access to that like sport game, yeah. this activity based gathering kind of, uh, that we do. So you're like meeting us where we are, but also inviting us into something that we don't have all the time access to. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And that, that, that I think was one of the biggest challenges of designing the game is how do you create structure and, Right, like how how can this be competitive in the least harmful way, right? And and maybe even compete like and borderline not competitive, right? Because if you're going to try to create a space in which people feel safe opening up, competition is not a conducive <laughs> instrument no, to that, right? Definitely not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I did hear from a friend actually who, uh, with inside of his church runs men's groups and he mm. with with younger men so he's in his mid-30s and um i mean he spoke to me of this dynamic of three guys that he played with that were all in their 20s their mid-20s and to a certain extent they all struggle to open up and be vulnerable but um i mean that conversation brought so much joy to my day um but one of the things that he said that i thought was really interesting was that one of the guys is really competitive, you know, and he, he wanted to win, you know, and, um, I don't really specifically say, Hey, the person who is the most real is going to win this game, but there is undertones with inside of that. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and what is realness? Like, what is, what is realness? And he was saying how, like it, that competitive element did make him want to answer like really honestly. Right. And like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm very glad that that was, you know, I'm like, I'm glad to hear that, you know, like to a certain extent, I think there are questions of like, okay, how can this be helpful and how can it be harmful? I think whenever there's an incentive within inside of a conversation a, a dialogue, you need to tread carefully, right? Um, can someone be too real, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> that, that's a question that I that I left there with, which was like, oh, interesting, because I don't ever call that out. I don't say I don't say give the person give the card. I realize there's not context here, and I realize I, I could speak to the game dynamic that takes place if we want, but um, you know, in the instructions, I don't say give the card to the person who's answer is the most real, like the most fucking real, you know, like I could have, but it's, it's give, it's give the card to the person whose answer speaks to you most. Mm -hmm. Right. So, and what does that mean? Um, and that's up to the individual. Right. But I think we, we all do have that. We all, we all can, 
can know what speaks to us. And often the things that are the things that speak to us are often the things that speak to others, right? Like there's a there's a piece of of truth um, or vulnerability that that um yeah, we get to witness ourselves and other people in yeah. our sharing. And uh, there is that element that I can see now where you, where that competitive element can serve some people because it's like, well, that person just shared something really vulnerable. Now I, I like, I gotta, yeah, I gotta do totally. my best here. And so in some ways for some men that actually works for them to actually yeah. help them dive deeper. Yeah. We've been talking about it really conceptually and I, I value experiential learning and experience. Yeah. And I think the listeners would too. I'm wondering if you're opening open to us, like kind of diving in and playing a little bit of it. Yeah, definitely. So this game is technically best played with three or more people because it increases the the sort of competitive element or it or it allows the the flow of the game to play better. We're going to make do with what we're going to do with the two of us um, just as a way of getting real with each other a little bit more and actually deepening our understanding of each other as human beings. So I'm excited. Cool. Let's do it, Travis. I'm not going to lie. There's a lot of good. There's a lot of good questions in this game. I, feel like, <laughs> I like, love when I love when someone's uh, thrilled by their own work. <laughs> yeah, totally. I'm like I'm like trying to pick some out, and I'm like, well, that's I'll pick that one. I'll pick that one. Um, all right, let's do. Let's start with level one. Travis, kind of real. If money and identity were not a thing, what would you do with your time? Ooh, that's a good question. If money and identity weren't a thing, um. Well, I know I'd be focused less on building something. I think that uh, the money element and the identity element sometimes push me into this, like building a career and building a name for myself. And so I think I would be less um, building oriented um, and more present, more able to just trust the being rather than the doer in the world. Um, I wouldn't necessarily hustle as much as I do currently. Um, and I would just, um, create more space for me to really get in tune with what I truly want to be doing versus what I think I should be doing. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that same way. I, I, I also feel like I'm going to, I'm going to play this real quick just cause I don't have a hand. There's. <laughs> there's the nudge cards so i'm uh -huh. gonna play i'm gonna play a i feel you bro uh -huh. um because yeah that speaks to me um i feel like also you know I, in many ways i'm building this identity up around this game right this thing is linked to me and you know my success or failure might ride on its success or failure i was also going to speak to like uh have money I feel like if identity wasn't a thing and I could um, nothing was traced back to, to me, I feel like I could move more freely through the world, you know, um, maybe less fearful of like the implications of like fucking up, mm -hmm. you know, I feel like there's always this, there's always this kind of like low grade, like noise, that I, that I constantly will see in my experience. That's like, that's like, that has that kind of tint of like, don't mess up, 
don't mess up right like, it could be like at a fucking crosswalk for all i know right like i'm going across the street and like did i hit the button like there's someone else behind me did i hit the button you know it's like, <laughs> to get across the street what if i didn't they might know oh I, they have to hit the button i i hope that's you know like that that hum is just like like i need to be freed from that so sometimes right I'm going to give you right another right back to you and I feel you bro because that because <laughs> yeah. that it, you just put words to something that I navigate all the time is that fear of failure fear of screwing it up fear of fucking it up fear of being seen in a way that I didn't try to present yeah. and my constant work as a human being is to really just be in authenticity rather than in in quickly putting the mask on. I think as a gay man in this world, I learned how to put that mask on really early and it can be such an, uh, it can be tied so clearly to my own identity that I have to constantly pull apart. What is that coping strategy and what is actually me? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I think of also, um, I don't know. I, <laughs> I think I wrote this question in many ways too, cause I, you know, I think it's interesting how ego and identity are, you know, a, a huge part of, so I'll speak to my wife a lot about work, the work environment, right. Um, you know, she works with inside of an organization. She's focused on the kind of like organizational psychology, improving the system of things and how much, uh, how much we slow ourselves down and we get kind of caught in trying to build up our 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 worth right within an organization that might be critiquing that might be coming out and saying like i've got a really great idea you know like and wanting to continually impress or like stay above right ensure that your worth is 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 valued within inside of an organization and i always have this like thought of like like what would it like what would a company look like if there was no like there was no identity, like people didn't carry, like everything was anonymous to a certain extent, mm -hmm. you know, and it, it, it falls apart, right? It falls apart immediately because you realize that that is what keeps people incentivized, right? It's mm -hmm. what upholds the entire thing. Um, but it's always an interesting thought experiment to, to me. Yeah, it totally is. And I think uh, <laughs> I tend to focus more on like, uh, the individual, I think it's the social worker in me that I'm down in the trenches with people rather than sort of the organizational change or the the societal level change. I'm really focused yeah. on the individual. But I think about relationships where um, maybe another person that I've had experience with that that doesn't value accountability within the relationship and responsibility within the relationship and how the relationship falls apart so quickly when we don't have some level of accountability and responsibility oh, I, to each other, when yeah. there's complete anonymity and just an inability to, for the true, for the shared experience to shift and the meaning around it to shift constantly. Yeah. And so it is really interesting to think about what would the strengths of being able to let go of those things, but what would the harm be? What, what would, would be lost? Unintended right? impact. Yeah. What would be yeah. lost? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you could say the bond itself would be lost, right? There'd be no, I wouldn't know who, like, if I ran into you in the street, I wouldn't know it's you. Like, there would there'd be totally. anything that, that got solidified from this conversation. Totally. 
Yeah. And how do you build trust in those yeah, kind of situations? Exactly. And yeah, trust seems to be difficult. such an important human element of relationship that we all value. Yeah. Really interesting. Yeah. And so how do we carry these two sides? You know, I love that you have such a focus on intent. Like, here's my intention. Here's what I want people to feel in these conversations. But here, let's also reflect on the potential impact or the harm that can be created by certain things. Like, that is such an important thing that I always like step onto my soapbox around in, in my conversations around masculinity is to continue reflecting on the gap between intention and impact. Yeah. Super powerful. Let's yeah. grab another card. Yeah, let's do it. That was good. Um, all right. I'm going to do these two. I mean, we have to do a, a masculine or man, yeah. like I'd say 5% of the cards in here are specific to like to gender and Got how it. that shaped you. Um, but I'd say, you know, I, I use like language, like geared towards guys play well, anyone can pick up this game and play it. <laughs> All right, Travis level three, super fucking real. When do you feel like the most authentic version of yourself? How would you describe this part of you? Woo. Feel that vulnerability showing up. <laughs> You're right. Super fucking real. Um, I think for me, one of the places that I feel most authentically myself is in movement, like, uh, specifically dancing. Yeah. Um, there's a way that I enjoy moving my body that brings out something within me. And I've practiced this in different places, whether that's sort of like traditional going out to a, a nightclub pl- kind of bar place to dance. But also I've done more like um, spiritual based dances, like uh, like uh, an ecstatic dance community where you're doing fr- more free fro- flow mu- movement, nonverbal, and just allowing the body to express itself in certain ways. And I find myself being able to touch into certain parts of myself through that than I can in other places. And as I'm sharing this, I'm recognizing how few spaces I how much, how little space that has in my life, how little intentional energy I've created in my life at this phase. There's been other phases where it's been really present, but I even notice myself like when I'm at the gym listening to music, like my body naturally wants to move to the music. And then I confront that part of me that's like, okay, I'm in a masculine space with other men. Am I allowed to dance? Am I allowed to kind of like have my own, be in my own experience of something while in a collective space with the people that are not engaged in the same thing as me, like almost like seeking permission to, to, to really access that part of myself. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I, my partner jokes with me all the time because I have been caught at the gym and brought, and people have come up to me going like, well, you're really getting it over there. Like (laughs) really like letting myself be free. And I, and I watch certain people, enjoy that feel intrigued feel curious about that and then i see other people like trying to critique it or censor it or stop it and so i think it's it's an interesting place um in me that still feels very vulnerable but it does feel really authentic and i have been known to just in my apartment by myself just kind of get letting letting it rip and dancing around and moving um so i think that's one of the places for me was there a second part of the question yeah, definitely. How would you describe this part of you? Um, it's free and it is balanced in its sort of masculine and feminine expressions. There are places in the in the movement that 
feel when I'm truly allowing myself to be authentic that that hit on those edges for myself around how does a male body move? How does a masculine body move versus how does a female body move or a feminine body? And so when I truly am allow allow myself to let go, there is this flow between those energies. There is this ability to for my body to move in ways that meet the moment and meet the music and meet the 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 energy, the emotional energy that's present in me, rather than present do, doing it in a certain container that only fits within the masculine side of myself. Yeah. And so there's, there is this balance that I talk about as an important value of mine. And it's a, an important access point that I use in my coaching work with people, but I don't, but I, I do notice myself have to kind of bump up against that edge with myself in terms of vulnerability of truly embodying that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's, I feel like I, I appreciate seeing people that seem a little bit more comfortable and move free in their body. It's kind of an invitation to do the same, but mm-hmm. I definitely, it definitely resonates with me. And also like the need for more um, physical spaces, you know, I, I mean, now is just the last couple of years have been a really hard, um, hard time for that, but it, it's definitely possible now. Um, but I don't, I don't do it as much as I need it either. Right. Like, um, that's one thing I keep coming back to is like how clearly, um, the, the like quote unquote work, at least for me is, is just, is just being in my body, you know, it's just like, it's just embodiment work. Mm -hmm. Um, and knowing that like that, I guess coming back to that, like calibration, like if I'm doing that, if I'm, if I'm spending time, whether it be, I don't know, it could be dance or movement, um, or meditation. Um, it seems like everything else just kind of has a better chance of going in the right direction. It's interesting to me to think about as you're talking, there are a lot of spaces for us as men to embody the hardness of our body. We can exercise at the gym, we can lift weight, we can we can demonstrate the the strength of our body, but where are those spaces that allow us to access the softness of our bodies, that the vulnerable sides of it, the the parts that feel unsafe, the parts that um, are gentle? Yeah. Yeah, totally. I'm going to ask you this one. I haven't played this one out too much. I'm kind of curious how this goes. Um, this is a level two period, Travis. Tomorrow you wake up as a woman. What do you miss the most? What do you miss the least? Hmm. Well, <laughs> what comes up first is the what I'll miss the most, yeah. which is the... Uh, there's a privilege often that I can sort of witness in the sort of anatomy of our bodies that women have a lot more consciousness around certain parts of their bodies and certain times of the month and the ways that they, the way they need to use the restroom. There's such a like ease to our, our plumbing that allows yeah. for, at least in my experience, I've never had a, a woman's body, but, um, but there's an ease to just kind of going to the bathroom whenever we need to going wherever we need to. There's like a, there's just an ease. So I think I would miss that. And there would be just more like 
consciousness of the body at, at different times that I would need to to navigate. Mm-hmm. What I would miss the least, um, I think I would miss the least the physical boundaries between my body and other people's bodies that is sort of taught to us as men where you were kind of talking about that hug you witnessed in in the Bay Area that lasted for like 10 minutes. I, I, I see women able to engage in that more often to lower the boundaries and to be in physical connection with yeah. each other in safe way, in safer ways that are about embracing and intimacy. And I think I would miss that the least that I, that I, I might have more freedom to truly express my care physically with people um, in a non-threatening, non-harmful kind of way, um, or potentially harmful kind of way. Um, so I think I w- that's what I would miss the least is, is that rigid boundary between m- my body and other people's bodies. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, uh, I remember my, my wife had a, a friend over the other day, uh, who is, who's a woman and they were like, kind of like, I mean, they were like cuddling in, you know, like they're like rubbing each other's head. And I was just like, man, like I, I like for a snap second, I, I like try to picture myself doing that um, with a male friend and, and kind of just being like all sorts of just like discomfort, disease, uh, you know, like not really sure how to navigate that, like mm-hmm. kind of like showed up and uh yeah, it's it's really, I don't know, it's interesting. I think that boundary is even higher often for heterosexual men too because I think there are very few spaces where it's okay to get that kind of physical intimacy yeah. outside of your primary partner usually. Yeah. Um, and so you can't have it with men. You can't often have it with other women because of your because of what that means about your primary relationship. Whereas gay men, we at least have some flexibility around oftentimes our close female friends because we're because there's no threat of sexuality between the two yeah. of us. We can be in those intimate spaces and have that a bit more. Yeah. Um, so I, I think there are some different layers to this based on parts of your identity uh, that can lock you up a little bit. Yeah. I'd love to hear what how you might answer that same question. What you might miss the most and miss the least being yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a hard like <laughs> I think I'm like hesitant to ask it because I actually don't really know how to answer it, you know. And it's like it's interesting that I put this question in the game, given my own kind of like hesitancies or uncertainty of answering it. Um, it almost didn't make it though. Um, I think for me there is a degree of like. Um, like safety you know like there's a degree of safety i think that that exists more in the male body in our culture and i definitely like i try to utilize like i i take advantage of that right like that is a privilege and i think i mean because there's plenty of times where like even as like a six foot five man, I feel very, un- like, very, very unsure, like, very unsafe. And I think, like, that would be even more probably pronounced if I, if I was, um, if I was a woman. For sure. Um, yeah, I mean, the extent of, like, <laughs> I mean, definitely, like, in the work environment, I think, I think 
as a guy, there's just so much more initial trust of like, I know what the fuck I'm doing. And that's like the default that I come in on. And I don't like, I think with women, it's often like they need to like, they need to prove themselves. Right. It's like, um, they start further down. Right. And I, I try to be aware of that as well within my own self. Like to what extent do I project that onto others? Um, but yeah, I think like as a, as a guy, there is a, a, like an assumption of like, this person knows what they're doing. Um, but that's also as a white guy, right? Like none of these things can't like a white hetero male, like a cis male. Um, so yeah, it's like any of these questions about identity and gender really can't be answered through that one dimension, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and yet your personal experience in the world is just as important as my personal experience as a gay man in the world, even though I, I, I seem to feel, I walk through the world feeling more how you describe potentially a woman might feel, how your wife might feel. Like I yeah. often feel like I have to prove myself that I'm coming from a, a beta position and trying to earn an alpha position. Like there, that tends to be the, the, the lens that I approach the world with that, but that doesn't mean that's how the world sees me. Yeah. Because the world might relate to me from the way that you're describing of, of, of that empowered place because I am a white man, because I'm whether someone knows my sexuality or not, they don't they make make some assumptions based on my gender and oh. my gender presentation. And so I think it, it's this I don't know, it's just really interesting to hear the nuances of how our identities going back to that first question of whether if identities weren't a thing, they are a thing <laughs> and they do. Yeah they do shift the lens at which we see the world for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's like now that like, I mean, even looking back at that card, it's like, I, I almost, I probably will evolve it and pull money out. Cause I think just identity alone is like a very depthful and nuanced conversation that can take place with inside of that, mm-hmm. especially as you know, you bring in more identities. I appreciate you answering so, so openly and honestly and, and thoroughly, I feel like we, we covered some good ground in, in just like totally. a few cards there. I'm glad you kept that card in about embodying a woman's body and that and you noticed your own discomfort in that because I I think that's a worthwhile thing for men to put themselves into that, reflecting on what it would be like to not be in a privileged body and yeah. to recognize to even start to have an empathetic understanding of what it might feel like to be not in the body that they're in. And yeah. to be in, to have to engage with a world that sees you differently because of the body that you're in. I think that's, I'm glad you put it in there. And I'm glad you also felt safe enough to acknowledge your own discomfort that shows up when thinking about it or avoidance of that question. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got some great questions in there. I've got one more question for you as we kind of are closing this up just to see where, how you would answer what, what, what a real answer from you would be around this. So if you could give men one piece of advice, what would that be? It's a big one. <laughs> just a small question. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, I mean, I guess it's like the, it's probably the, the same, you know, the same thing I might tell anyone, you know, I guess, like, and it's probably what I would want to hear from myself. 
um, it's just to kind of keep coming back to that question of, of what do I need? Um, what do I seek? And, and to like really trust in what answer comes. Yeah. I love that you answered it from a place of what I would want to most hear from myself. I love that that's where your intuition or where your you're sort of modeling where guidance really can come from that inner guidance, that inner awareness and, and that giving ourselves permission to say what we truly want to hear most from ourselves. Yeah. It's a really powerful approach to that answer. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's given me a lot, you know, um, it's taken a long time to really, to be able to cultivate that. Just, just even knowing to ask, like, what do I need right now? What do I want right now? And then it takes even longer to, to hear something back, you know, but, but like with anything, you know, the more you, the more you flex that muscle, um, the, the more, the more it kind of pays off, the more it returns and, it's just endlessly valuable. <laughs> Beautiful. I love that. I love that permission to sit longer than you might think for the answer to arise for the, for leave, leaving the space for different layers of the answer to come through and to really tune in and the, that practicing that over the time, the return on investment gets big. Yeah. Appreciate that. So I've had such a wonderful time talking with you. I appreciate you bringing you yourself as a man, but then also the work that you're creating in the world, this place where you're bringing in your strength as a designer into your interest in men's work and into your and interest in helping people be introspective and have more emotions based depth conversations. Yeah. If people want to find out more about you, about the work you're doing, or even maybe buy a copy of the deck you've created, how might they do that? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you can go to letsgetrealbro.com. If you search that on Google, it should show up at the top. Um, you can also find me on Instagram. Definitely reach out. Uh, always love to hear from people that just feel passionate about the work or even, you know, words of encouragement. I'm right now a one, one person team. I mean, I'd say two person team, actually. We just hired an intern. Um, but it's a very small team and we need all the, the support we can get. Uh, but yeah, super excited. I just mailed out my, I mailed out a game to Brene Brown today. Oh, cool. So f- fingers crossed, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Big moves out there I in the know. world. Wow. Yeah. You're going for the big wigs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. And your Instagram is at LGRB? Uh, it's LGR bro. LGR bro. B-R-O. Okay. I'll make sure that uh, your website and your Instagram handle are linked in the show notes so that people can cool. easily access that. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the on this episode. It's been really fun to get in real with you. And thank you for um, coming into my space to have real conversations, but then also for the work that you're doing to create spaces for others to do that. Of course. Yeah, it's, it's really, it's my pleasure, like fully. (laughs) If people want to get in connection with me, they can go to my website at travisstock.com. You can email me directly at travisstock03 at gmail.com, or you can go to my Instagram at traverse03. 
that Instagram is a great place to continue the conversations of the new masculine. If you've been inspired by this conversation or you have questions about what comes up for you as, as, as a result of it, find me there at, at Traver03. If you want to become a sponsor of the New Masculine podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash the new masculine. That's a great place for if you value the work that I'm doing and you want to contribute, then you can become a, a contributor right there at patreon.com slash the new masculine. Thank you again so much, Weston. It's been a real pleasure. And until next time.